Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Mel Elias, co-founder of Bruvy. Bruvy is what Mel calls America's soon-to-be favorite coffee single-serve brewer. In other words, it's like Keurig 2.0, tastier coffee, same convenience, and eco-friendly sealed capsules. And in the episode, Mel and I will discuss how his 25 years of operating in the coffee world led to the Bruvy Eureka moment. Growing the coffee bean and tea leaf brand as president and CEO to over $500 million in system-wide sales, 12,000 team members, and over 1,000 stores worldwide. How exactly Bruvy differs from brands like Nespresso and Keurig, and his thoughts about how exactly Bruvy can infuse sustainability and sustainability principles into the product suite. And lastly, some of the big themes and trends that he's excited about as both an operator and an investor. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mel Elias, co-founder of Bruvy. Mel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Mel, when I first was introduced to what you're working on, I said, oh my God, got to have you on the show. For the listeners, can you give just everyone a quick brief on what is Bruvy? Sure. Bruvy is effectively a single serve coffee brewer. So the best way to understand it is if you think what you typically get when you buy a Keurig or an espresso machine, it's what we call the closed system where you buy the brewer and you have to use the specific capsules that fit with the brewer. So in the US, we have typically the Keurig platform. People may know Nespresso. There are one or two other small ones. We are effectively going to compete by introducing a new single serve brewing platform with our own capsules, with our own machine technology, and under the brand Bruvy. I love it. Groovy, brew, Bruvy. Love the name. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. brew as in brewed coffee. We'll take Groovy also. <laughs> when you look at some of the uh, incumbents that you speak of, these are big brands capitalized. They've made their way into the homes and routines of millions of people. And so what is the core value proposition? What gets you excited yeah. about Bruvy and how is it different from the pack? It's, it's different because they were really focused on convenience and the ability to bring a very affordable capsule, a uh, very easy to use machine to the home. We are focused not only on convenience, but we're also focused on delicious, noticeably tastier coffee that is prepared in more eco-friendly capsules in a very in a way that gives you all the different coffee variety drinks that you're used to. So our sort of soundbite, if you like, is don't settle on quality and taste for convenience. Now you can have both. So what we're bringing to market is a brewer that tastes absolutely delicious so that you wouldn't ever believe that you were drinking coffee made from a capsule. It just tastes that good. So that's the core value proposition. And we, we're not, if anything, it's exciting that we're dealing with massive established companies who are competitors. I think that's a really good opportunity because they've taken, especially Keurig has been very much a mon mon monopoly for so long 
And when you are enjoying that sort of position, you don't really have to reinvent yourself and you don't really have to bring to market all these new innovations. And the truth is there's been so much more innovation in single serve. There are so many more advanced heating systems, connected devices. There's so many more things we can do to bring a wonderful brew to the, to the house. And uh, But at the forefront of everything, it's delicious coffee in more eco-friendly capsules. That's our value proposition. I love it. And I want to get into the nitty-gritty around why the taste is better, how it's more eco-friendly. But before we get into that, I think it's important to offer some context to the listeners because when you hear someone talking about taking on the Goliath, right, the gorilla in the room, it, instinctively you say, ah, okay, I've heard this a thousand times over. But if any person were just to take a quick glance at what, <laughs> at what you've worked on before this, they'd say, oh, okay, now I believe it. So maybe just give just a little bit of briefing and background around what you're working on before brewing sure. and um, then how it led to that eureka moment. Yeah, so I've been in the coffee business for 25 years and I was the CEO for about eight years of a company called The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf where we ended up by the time we sold to private equity with over a thousand stores in 30 different countries and we sold coffee in all sorts of different formats. So I am a, a very established coffee executive. That's my kind of wheelhouse. And I always realized when I was at the business selling coffee in coffee stores that it's a very complicated, difficult format to sell in, in a store. You have to worry about labor costs. You have to worry about inventory. You have to deal with landlords, customer service. Brick and mortar is a terribly complicated business. And we launched a single serve system out of Europe in 2012. And that was my eureka moment. That was when I realized it's all about coffee at home because eight out of 10 Americans drink coffee at home every day. There are, if you think about it, 126 million households in America, 92 million households drink coffee every day at home. That is by far the biggest market. And you have to think this also, coffee is the number one consumed beverage in America, the number one consumed beverage. So if you're ever thinking about a, a, anything to do with the coffee business, it has to be coffee at home. And the best format for coffee at home has to be single serve for a number of different reasons. It's convenient. It solves a big problem. It solves a preparation and a dosing problem. It solves a freshness problem. It is loved and understood by everyone. So there's no sense of changing human behavior because people understand you've either been in a hotel or in an office or even yourself at home, you, you might have a single serve brewer. So out of the 92 million households that drink coffee every single day, there are 30 million households, just north of 30 million, that have a single serve brewer today. And the single serve machine sales is up 50% in the last five years only. So the penetration rate, the US penetration rate for households with single serve is about 25 to 28%. That is absolutely massive. So this is a daily consumable product, coffee, and it's something that you know is very habitual. I don't want to use the word addictive, but coffee is your daily luxury indulgence. And, and this is why we want to get into this. And I've been in this business for 25 years. 
and launched a system like this before, I understood what we did wrong with our old system and what we have to fix with this new system. So there are very few executives in, in the US that can do this. And I partnered with Sung, who is my technology guru partner, who is a patent expert, and we've developed technology that can really deliver this value proposition that I'm talking about. Wow. So right around the time you have the Eureka moment, do you just put it on the back burner and you say one time when you have the time to work on it, you're going to reinvigorate this, reintroduce it from the idea graveyard? Because I can see on your LinkedIn, you've lived, spent time in London, in Tel Aviv, in Singapore. So yeah. I, I just ha- talk me through, like ha- connect sure. the dots. Um, very quickly, the dots are this. I was a lawyer, first of all, then I became an executive. And when we exited the business, you always think about the fact that it's all about the final destination. When I exit, it's going to be great. And so we exited in 2013. And I said, I'm retired. This is great. I'm going to do all the things that I love doing. I started learning about music orchestration and started becoming a songwriter. And... I had the epiphany moment that it's more about the sort of the journey of building teams, developing companies, building equity, and all the things that I did that I thought I loved, whether it was music production and songwriting, or whether it was just being invest, I was an investor in, in various funds. I miss the smell of the turf and the speed of the ball. I miss the team building, the equity building. But I didn't want to dive back into a business that I wasn't passionate about. Many business opportunities came across my table over the last five or six years. But when, you know, Sung came to me and said, I think I have probably the most interestingly innovative way to make single serve. I'm like, I'm really interested because based on my experience, I remember that single serve was the best way to, to deliver coffee to people's homes. And this is before COVID, obviously after COVID, it has become, coffee at home has become even more a a lucrative business opportunity. But even before that, eight out of 10 people were drinking coffee at home daily. So when, you know, I found the passionate business that I wanted to dive back into. And now I'm back in the grind many years later, building teams again, but this time doing it right, making sure we bring in the right people with the right culture. This time we are trying to make a great company as opposed to a good company. And this time we're trying to make sure we understand what the problems are out there and what we have to solve and that we deliver a solution to the problems. Business should be very simple. We complicate it. We complicate most things in life, but ultimately it's let's give the people what the people want. And that's kind of what we're doing at Bruvi and very passionate about it and backed by years and years of experience with great teams. I love it. Um, When we first dove into the value proposition and someone from the team reached out to us, I kept circling around one of the core problems with incumbent systems, which is the K-cup itself. Use it once, you throw it away, and it's like this kind of circular nightmare where um, every time you pour yourself a coffee, you have this single-use K-cup that ends up in landfills, impossible to recycle, et cetera. And I think from what I understand, you guys think that's a very important part of what makes Bruvy special. And so to the extent that is true, maybe distill down how you guys have thought about sustainability and infused that principle into 
your version of the K-cup. Yeah, I mean, we when I was talking to Sung in the early days, there was no way we were going to ever launch a single serve system unless it was significantly better than the incumbent and that we were able to make a positive impact on the world. But I want to be very realistic. These are very complex issues. There is a lot of misinformation about what is good and what is bad. And we are not attempting to solve the world's eco problems because we can't do that. But we do want to make sure we leave the world in a better place if we come out with this product. So we spent a lot of time trying to understand and mine all the complexities out there and figure out what is really the right thing. And recycling little plastic capsules, I know a lot of people are doing that and that that seems to be the solution. That wasn't enough for us. And then there was this whole notion of why don't we go and make it compostable? And there's a lot of misinformation about that too. Compostability and, and biodegradable plastics is a wonderful ideal in an ideal world. Only 10% of the American population has access to industrial composting facilities and only 1% of consumable compostable products ever get composted in the US. So that is not a solution. There is no point saying, oh, we at Bruvi have come out with a compostable or a PLA, a polylactic acid-based capsule, when it's only going to end up in the landfill. So we wanted to be very realistic and practical about our solution to the environment. And here's how we think about it. Greenhouse gases is the worst thing that could happen to the environment. It leads to climate warming. And if we focus on strategies that reduce greenhouse gases, we have done something for the world. And in order to do that, we have tackled three things independently. We want to come up with a system that reduces coffee waste. We want to come up with a system that reduces energy. And we want to come up with a system that reduces plastic waste. So we tackled all these three very important elements uh, and they're all important. Arguably, food waste is a bigger problem than plastic waste, but it's it's hard to convince people when they see images of of you know plastic floating in oceans. But really, the food waste issue is an even bigger issue, and the energy waste issue is a very bigger issue, big issue too. So, the strategic planning before we launched Bruvi was we want to create a positive social impact, and we want to do two things. And this is a little audacious, but we think we're actually going to do it. Plus, we want to do this without changing human behavior. And we want to do this without having to have unrealistic, massive investments in infrastructure, like composting infrastructure or, or something that just doesn't make sense. And we think that the solution we have put into place with Bruvi actually accomplishes those two goals. That's amazing. If, if we take a, a peek under the hood, h- how exactly do those two principles or key focus areas manifest? Any honest conversation about environmental impact or the reduction of plastic waste has to know that you really have to think about greenhouse gases as the ultimate reference point. How do they manifest? One, one more sort of preamble. We look at plastic and we think that plastic is not our problem. Plastic waste is our problem. It's an end-of-life issue that we have with plastic is otherwise a very efficient delivery vehicle for food safety. It's a very efficient delivery vehicle for, for freshness. So the solution is very simple. 
and it's very new and it's very novel and there's no one else doing this but we have created a plastic capsule that gets digested organically in a landfill in only a handful of years so you can take your capsule when you use it you don't have to wash it you don't have to rip it up you don't have to separate the grinds whatever comes out of your little single serve machine you can just throw it in the trash it gets picked up regularly like your regular trash pickups and it will end up in a landfill it, there will be no litter because we're not talking about chocolate wrappers or anything anyone that consumes a capsule based coffee is most likely to do it at home where there's a machine which you can plug in so we encourage you to throw it in your trash so it stays out of the litter stream which is really a big issue for plastics but we don't have that issue when it goes into a landfill instead of it staying there for a thousand years or 500 years or whatever the science is it organically gets digested in a handful of years now it's very important that we talk about organic digestion because mm-hmm. when you organically digest a plastic there are no microplastics that get created what gets created is the gases the methane and the co2 plus humus and the plastic disappears so that is our solution and it's also very important that we talking about time frames of between you know 1 and 10 years of this organic digestion taking place it's not something that happens in the first 6 months and that's a good thing for landfill gas collection but let me take one step further this because this gets a little complicated but unfortunately we have we collective we have vilified plastics and we vilified the landfill and what we at Bruvia are trying to do is be practical about it until there is a circular economy until there's a larger solution to the environment we have this wonderful delivery mechanism which is plastic we have landfills and the modern managed landfill the municipal solid waste landfill is so different to what you saw in the 80s and these open dumps and these images you have of barges so we have this we have the landfill we have the plastic what if we made a plastic and created a plastic that would be organically digested in a landfill so that it doesn't stay on the planet for a thousand years and the best mm-hmm. solution is to get it in a landfill but the existing type of plastics that exist in the world don't decompose or don't get digested in a landfill bruvi capsules will and that is mm-hmm. that's our big contribution to the state of single serve coffee mm-hmm. 100% i think one of the points that rang true to me and we've talked about it before on the show is plastic is actually one of humanity's great inventions it's really more of a design flaw that we have since confounded with single use right so as i explore opportunities and i talk to operators that are launching their own products into the world it's why these forever container trends are so interesting because it still appreciates the technological breakthrough that is plastic but says hey if possible if you can deliver a product and for example have the customer keep the container and that will send you tablets for refills so you can deliver that type of model without compromising on your core values of convenience and quality that's fantastic and so i i agree with your sentiment around how in many ways 
plastic has become the enemy of the state and it's really a lot more nuanced than that it, it is a so lot I more nuanced and i that. and i and the point you're making is a very good one the, the circular economy or the reduced model is by far the way to go but here's how we think about this people are not going to stop drinking coffee in fact during covid coffee consumption increased at home now we're it's going to be it's how can we make that habit that daily indulgence a lot more eco-friendly and for us at Bruvi, we just want to do the right thing and we want mm-hmm. to have the most environmentally efficient way to enjoy your coffee and that means plastic single use but a special type of plastic one that gets digested and and the reason why that is important is because it is so important for food waste the fact that you can put the coffee grounds in a hermetically sealed plastic capsule means that it lasts longer it stays fresh longer and you have much less waste secondly if you think about the single serve machine you don't have batch brewing you don't throw away coffee if you if you brew a pot of coffee invariably you will waste some but if you brew one cup at a time you're likely to waste much less so the the solutions that single serve or single use brings to coffee waste far outweighs the problem that is created from the capsule especially when we have found a solution for that problem mm-hmm. and and people will never understand that when they consume a single serve capsule coffee that is in fact the best way to drink coffee environmentally the least amount of coffee is wasted the most amount of coffee stays fresh you only boil water needed for one cup and you don't have a mess you don't have waste in preparation through recipe and dosing mm-hmm. it is the most efficient way to enjoy a cup of coffee using a single serve wow. machine so a lot of people again it's a lot of misinformation and a lot of you know ideas around that can't be efficient because there's a plastic capsule being used but plastic mm-hmm. has been a food delivery mechanism for all of us since the 50s and a very efficient one i again i'm amazed at the at the complexity of this issue and how difficult it will be to educate customers on what we're doing and why we're doing it but we think it's the right thing and so that's why we're doing it i appreciate a distilling down how bruvi is thinking about the different layers but also b also pushing back against the status quo train of thought it it takes just people who really dig into the fundamentals of how things work to then reverse engineer the messaging opportunities because you're right for years and years we've been taught to recycle we've been taught and we see ad and and creative after creative that paints a certain picture of reality or worldview and after you are fed it over and over someone else's worldview becomes your worldview so I, i just appreciate your sentiment i want to segue actually to the product suite and tactically how you're thinking about introducing Bruvi to the world so in many ways the product is a major step function level up from what's existed before and so what I want to do is putting on your CEO cap tactically, what are some of the ways you've thought about de-risking the launch, 
right? Launch is March 2021, right. I can see on the site. How have you thought about de-risking the first mile of the launch of Bruvi? So the launch that we're talking about in March is our pre-sales. And so we're staggering our launch to first introduce Bruvi on a very limited basis to the early customers who are what we hope will be our raving fans who will get the benefit of reduced prices for that sort of pre-sales. But the actual go-to-market will be sometime around September where this product will be available and shipping for everyone. And the way we've thought about it is, I guess I like to think about it as the, the hedgehog and the fox. We want to be brilliant at a few things rather than good at many things. So the first thing we thought about is how do we reduce complexity? How do we become brilliant at just a few things so that we can excel? And the way we did that was we're only having one brewer, one color, one model. We're going to focus on one market and we're going to focus on one key message, which is noticeably tastier coffee. And we're going to focus on only direct to consumer distribution, no brick and mortar, no CPG, no dealing with other retailers like Macy's and Bloomingdale's. And it's and if we focus and become brilliant at a few things and directly go to the consumer, the savings we can pass on to our consumers. So we can provide a more affordable product as well by doing that. So I would say number one platform is reduce the complexity, be brilliant at a few things like the hedgehog versus the fox. The, 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 I guess the other platform that I have to say worked well in my previous life is be customer obsessed. And almost to a fault, almost to a point where you can't believe you're actually doing what you're doing because you have to put the customer first. And when you are customer obsessed, when you try and impress and delight your customer at every step of the way, it will pay dividends in the long run. So a second very important platform for us is impress and delight the customer always, be customer obsessed. And we do that through a variety of different ways. We do that through not only offering a very good product at a very affordable price by passing the savings to them, but we have committed to a simple shopping experience no risk returns. We've committed to none of these crazy deals. If you subscribe to blah, 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 you get the machine for blah, 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 and none of that Mm -hmm. stuff. There is no loyalty program where you get the benefits only if you become a member and you become a member. It's a no hidden deals, no complexity. What is what you get? We're going to offer free shipping at the earliest opportunity. So we've committed ourselves and our team to being customer obsessed by not having any of this stuff. You don't have to subscribe to any program in Bruvi. You don't have to do that. Your price of machine will not change either way. And there's only one option for you to buy. There's only one bundle for you to buy at Bruvi. You don't have to worry Wait, about Sorry. I don't mean to interject. No, please interject. What I find so interesting around how you're thinking around pricing and the kind of keep it simple, stupid messaging. The last one around subscribe and save, right, is interesting to me because you can see on virtually every major marketplace, Walmart, Amazon, every brand I can think of that sells some type of high frequent use case product. Think about like tablets, vitamins, etc. 
deploy at en masse these subscribe and save programs. And I'd love to hear, and you could, I mean, even in coffee, right? You have the Starbucks loyalty app, the Dunkin's loyalty app. So I'm curious, what was your kind of strategic take, hot take on why you're bearish on launching some type of subscribe and save or loyalty program out of the gate? As a consumer, I always feel like I'm not quite sure which option I should pick. What, why is this complicated? I was advertised the machine price, let's say at $100. And then mm-hmm. when I read the small print, it's yes, but only if you subscribe to 280,000 years of coffee. You know. <laughs> so, and I'm, as a consumer, I don't like that. I don't, or the price that I thought I was going to get something, oh, but that's only if you join our loyalty program. And But wait, what, so what price am I paying if I, so mm-hmm. I, we don't like that. We don't, we want to treat others the way we like to be treated. So. Our machine, for instance, is going to be sold as a bundle for $198. If you decide to subscribe to our capsules, because people will, and we offer that out of convenience, you can if you want. But if you decide to subscribe, it will not change the price of the machine. It will still be $198. You can go ahead and Mm -hmm. subscribe for efficiencies or capsule discounts all you want, but you don't have to pick a program or a subscription or a three-month or a nine-month commitment. You don't have to buy a single capsule from us. Mm-hmm. You're still paying the same price because we believe that once you buy the machine and try our product, because when you buy a machine, it comes with 24 f- free capsules. We believe you'll be back. The coffee's delicious. Mm-hmm. The proposition is very good. It's very affordable. We have created a very noticeable difference in the product offering where there's been no innovation for years and years. This machine clearly stands out. It stands out in look. It stands out in quality. It stands out in taste. It stands out in ease of use, in customization. Mm-hmm. So we're confident and comfortable enough where we don't have to tie your hands on this. And we, I don't know about you, but you know, when I go shopping and suddenly I thought I was getting something for a certain price and it didn't turn out that way, that kind of upsets me. And we oh, don't want to. Sure. We don't want to do that to our customers. Mm-hmm. I love that perspective. It's very I simple. Ask one more. It's simple. It's not. It's not. Business is not complicated. Give the people what they want. Don't. It's. That's what. That's years of experience. You realize that. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. One more tactical question around how you're thinking about the launch and making that first year the type of su- success that you anticipate. Do you have any big video creative launches that are in the pipeline? Like, how do you when you think about introducing Bruvi to the world? Is this something where um, you try to emulate the likes of an Apple or Nike and launch with this aspirational video and then you work with influencers? Tactically, is there some kind of big marketing philosophy you subscribe to or another tactic from some of these generational companies that you hope to emulate through? Yeah, that's a really good question because you look at different companies who have been successful. Dollar Shave had their YouTube video that was the catalyst for their success. Mm -hmm. And different companies have had various degrees of success from Casper mattresses. They've all, some have influencer strategies that work, some have video strategies that work, some have brick and mortar strategies. And you have to, so we've explored all of them. We've looked at what is going to work best for us, but we've explored them in the context of what can we afford? We're a startup. How realistic are we being? And what can we really do with this? So we have, 
outlined what we think our go-to-market launch plan is. It's a combination of a variety of different things. And it, it probably requires another podcast to, to go through each element <laughs> of this. But we've been mindful of we've been mindful of the right way to do it. And it's a combination of digital advertising strategies, influencer strategies, content creation strategies. It's online and offline brand marketing. Offline being public relations, being, you know, what we're doing now, just getting out into the community and speaking about Groovy. And it's also about industry credibility programs because we want the coffee community to be ambassadors for us. It's about using third-party brands who will join our platform to establish credibility for us as well. So we have a variety of bullets in the gun, if you like, that we have to shoot in order for us to launch effectively. And not mm-hmm. there's not one golden, or should I say silver bullet, that is going to work. It's a variety of different things. And at the end of the day, when and if you deliver a noticeably tastier and affordable proposition, it's the word of mouth, it's the recommendations, it's people talking about this that is ultimately going to create that sort of sense of mass adoption. But you've got all the typical models of early innovators and you've got the cycle of marketing to a niche and then it becomes mass market. So all of those strategies come to play. All those discussions happen at an executive team level, at a marketing meeting, mm-hmm. everything will be discussed. And, uh, and it's very dynamic. And this is what I love about business because there's no one right answer. Uh-huh. I've got uh, two potential ideas for you and the team if Shoot. you haven't considered yeah. already. You look at... What I find really interesting, over the last five years, coffee has really aged down. So consumers, coffee drinkers are becoming more fanatical about the product younger and younger. Case in point, you saw what Charlie did with Duncan. But I think two potentially really interesting collaborations could be with Emma Chamberlain Coffee Mm -hmm. and then Zane and Heath out of David Dobrik's Vlog Squad just launch Cremata or Cremota. I'm not familiar so with I, that. Yeah. So with b- both of these have very significant and rabid kind of fan bases, but you cannot consume either of their coffees in a kind of K-cup or B-pop form. Yeah. And so I know you, you like to your point, and I, I agree with the value of staying hyper-focused and keeping the brewer to one, like it's really not adding – unnecessary variables out of the gate longer term oh if you want to if you want to reach an untapped audience that is already looking to consume in this way but right now they are consuming purely by what's available both of the above very interesting opportunities i'm going to check both of them out but i want to touch on a point that you just made yes younger yeah. people are consuming more and more coffee and mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, at least my generation, we were introduced to the flavor of coffee through milk and sugar-based additives. We had lattes. Mm-hmm. We tried mm-hmm. lattes. Those are pretty good. And eventually we become drip coffee drinkers. And then eventually we really <laughs> appreciate the coffee as a flavor. Mm-hmm. Today's young generation is being introduced to coffee through cold brew. Cold brew is a less acid. It's it's more easy to a digest, but also easier to appreciate because it's smoother. And a lot of young people are drinking not only more cold brew coffee, but they're drinking more coffee in day parts that historically were never large day parts, like after lunch. Mm-hmm. And 
we are at Bruvi very mindful of this trend and we are creating a brand that is more catered to the millennial and Gen Z. But Gen Z cares about cold brew, Gen Z cares about sustainability, and they care about other things. And the reason why we really want to do this is we also want to differentiate our not only our product from the incumbent, we also want to differentiate our market. Bruvi wants to be more appealing to a younger market. And so what we have in Bruvi, which is really cool, is we are the first single serve cold brew system. We brew close to room temperature as well for a long period of time. So imagine this, you wake up in the morning, you get on your phone, you start your brew because it's connected and you start your cold brew and 10 or 15 minutes later after you showered and after everything is done, you come out to your kitchen and you can take your cold brew because it's a very slow sort of cold brew process. No other single serve machine does that. But again, mindful to your point. So there's so many, there's so much innovation in this device. It's baffling. And, and the complexity is keeping it simple. And the same with the complexity of our eco message, talking about a plastic that gets organically digested in a landfill in a handful of years is a very complicated message to keep simple. So mm-hmm. that, that I think, I know you haven't asked me the question, but you know, what are the greatest challenges of Bruvi would be, how do we communicate all of these points of differences and the different way we're approaching the environmental issues in a simple, concise manner? Those would be probably the things that keep me up at night most. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you brought up the, the cold brew. So I am certainly not alone in that I drink ice or cold coffee year round. Right. <laughs> I, I do not go near hot coffee. For whatever reason, it's just even th- this past week we had that we got hit with yeah, a ton of snow here the, in the city. You have the worst snowstorm in forever. Yeah. <laughs> but I still I trekked I trekked out to to Starbucks. I got my my cold iced coffee, hand shaking, but it was worth every bit of pain to get there. And so you, you are a trooper. I think, <laughs> but I think <sighs> um, what's really compelling about Bruvi is that in many ways. I really think that you're unlocking or serving an entire new, entirely new customer set that might initially be turned off by incumbents because they don't desire the end product. But if you now incorporate the cold brew, right? So I'm going to buy the brewy. I feel comfortable with the cold brew. It's something that I already get. Mm-hmm. And now one day I'm going to try, I can see here, you got matcha, you got all different types of coffee. So I think... Uh, that maybe what the general public would underappreciate with the Bruvi opportunity is there's a massive customer set that is underserved by current incumbents. And so that's a big deal. It, it might not sound that way. Massive. But getting the cold brew is a big deal. Millions and millions of households. If you think of what the problem to solve is, the incumbent provides lukewarm, weak, bitter coffee. Why should we settle for that? If we can create a system that is still affordable, that is still simple to use, which is the great advantage, but that looks great, that has delicious, noticeably tasty coffee that is harder, that is stronger, that is less bitter, right there we open up 
millions and millions of households who love the idea of single serve, who enjoy the convenience of it, who probably have one of these machines in their cupboard somewhere, but we're like, they're not, <laughs> they don't want to use it because it just doesn't taste good. And especially uh-huh. today, one of the other trends, you spoke about the young people drinking more coffee. The other trend is what we call in America, the premiumization of coffee. We are desiring more and more higher quality coffees. And if you mm-hmm. think about it, if you spent another 50 or 60 cents on your cup of coffee, you're able to get a significantly better tasting coffee. If you wanted a significantly better tasting bottle of wine, it's 200 bucks. But you can very affordably up your coffee game in a very easy way. And it's your daily indulgence. You wake up in the morning. It's for me, I don't know about everyone else, but the first thing I do is I go to my coffee machine and I enjoy that moment of when I know I'm just going to have a delicious cup of coffee. It's Mm -hmm. And it's so affordable. So we want to bring that experience to more homes in a very easy way. So that's it's a very it's a very simple thing, and we hope we get it right, and we hope that we have great friends and partners out there and people who will help us do this. And we feel even when it comes to competition, it's such a huge market. A rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, everyone there will appreciate that competition is a good thing. But if anything, we will nudge everyone to think about the eco issues in a slightly more productive way or quality issues in a more productive way. The consumer should win with us being around. And for me, that's what makes it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Mel, I want to end the interview with two fun questions. One, which is my go-to, I'll save it for the last one. But first, I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective as someone who's operated companies at the highest level, grown them to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. You've also been an investor. So sourcing deals, scouting opportunities at the edge of opportunity and frontier technology. And so I just want to give you the opportunity to shout out one or two projects, early stage companies, startups that you find super interesting. And it could be underneath the broader climate umbrella. So like addressing problems in some way, or um, another company that you just feel is highly underappreciated that is solving some type of problem or going after an opportunity in a super interesting way? Yeah, I think what comes to mind is certain certain things that we just take for granted. Why do we have electrical wires still? The day somebody solves not having to plug something in and we're so close to it. That and there, there are a ton of different companies out there. There are a couple of companies, specifically in in, in Israel, that have really leapfrogged this area. But we're very close to having devices that don't need to be plugged into the wall, and that for me is a pet peeve for years and years because I've got too many wires all over the place, and mm-hmm. I know it doesn't solve any major issue in the world. But these are little things. And the other thing, and I I don't want to name any specific companies, but there are a few that are there. And I think we'll see it first on on cell phones without never having to plug them in, which which I think is going to be an innovation that we see soon. And the other two things, these are really random. There must be an easier way to, to fill a car with gas. I feel like we've been doing this since the 1920s. I, I can't believe there's been no innovation there. There must be an easier way to flush the toilet. I don't think we've I don't think we've had an innovation there for decades. 
I, and I think of all the water that's wasted and the whole system, there is, there has to be some smart minds dealing with all this stuff. And in the energy area itself, I, mm-hmm. I want to see us use waste and think about waste as a renewable energy source and take advantage. We complain about waste. We are moaning about it. It's filling our landfills. Please, politicians, people, anyone, that's a renewable energy source right there. That waste can be used to create energy instead of burning more fossil fuels. Why are people not doing this? There's a really cool organization under the EPA called LMOP, and that's the Landfill Methane Outreach Program. I think there are two people that run that department. If they get their way and convert all these waste sites into energy reproducing opportunities, right there we make a very positive dent in the world. So there's so many there's so many different things, from simple things that make clear our desk of wires to very big global solving issues. I love it. Actually, it's funny that you bring up the plugging in the wires. There's this video that went viral over the last week. It's of uh, Baby Yoda struggling to reach behind the mattress at night trying to plug in the phone charger and then it breaks and it plays the video of him using the force yeah to plug it in that's been i've been there i've you know i can tell you probably (laughs) in the last year five times where where i have uh wire connection issues but yeah the uh, technology is an amazing thing we're going to be delighted and impressed in the next five to ten years with things that even our imagination can't think of. But then we're still Mm -hmm. pumping gas the way we did in 1920. So I don't know. So this is a a good opportunity to introduce my last question, which is this notion of the idea graveyard. And it's this probably a long list that you have saved away in your notes or somewhere of ideas that you would love to explore, but for whatever reason, just don't have the time to do. So my question for you is just that. What are one of these ideas that you would love to work on if you had the time to do, but for the time being, it's just rotting away in your idea graveyard? So so the way I think about that is I've been lucky to, to be involved in many different disciplines, from the music industry to the legal industry to consumer facing businesses. And one of the things I started really getting into was sake, which is a Japanese fermented beverage that has been developing yeast technologies for over a hundred years. And the idea of fermentation and yeast who that the Japanese have perfected to a fine format, if we can take or borrow that which they've done so well from rice they've created fruity floral aromas and tastes from rice because of this of the yeast technologies they use if we can mix and match and and bring some of that innovation to different industries like coffee if we think about how we can use controlled fermentation methods to make coffee so you can bring out certain flavors in in a coffee product that those are sort of the things that would be very interesting to me. And then I realized that there's so much to be said about yeast and fermentation. And if I had time in another lifetime, I think I would really dedicate myself to that concept of yeast and fermentation across all types of food and beverages and have a concept, a consumer concept around that product. Because fermentation is also one of the oldest food preservation methods. It's been around forever. 
in both food and beverages. And I think that each different discipline has perfected it to a certain way to either preserve food or make food taste better or beverages taste better. And uh, I'd love to create a concept based around yeast and different types of yeast and how that affects foods. And I bet you it's super healthy and super delicious and something that's very different because it won't be oh, like, so it's just an idea and I've been toying around with it and thinking about how it applies to coffee and, and sake, obviously, but also food and think about all the, the stuff we like to eat, like kimchi and even breads, sourdough. So there's really a lot to be said in that. And I don't think we've celebrated it enough. It's an incredible microorganism that nature has given us that we need to do more with. Wow. Just leaving off with a bang. Mel, there's nothing left to do but roll the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, anything that you want to leave with our listeners? The floor yes. is yours. Thank you. We are a small startup. We care passionately about what we do. We really believe we're bringing a more delicious coffee to market based on years and years of experience, but we need everyone's help. We need our vendors' help. We need our customers' help. We will do our utmost to do right with everyone. But when we launch our pre-sales in March stroke April, it's brewvy.com. Please help us. And you help us by trusting in us and buying the product. And if you don't like it, you can return it. But it's we guarantee you that you will really enjoy this product and just support us if you can, because we think we're also doing something good for the world environmentally. It's not the ultimate solution. It's not a circular economy, but it's better. It's a better situation than exists now. So if you help us, you also help that end. And I appreciate this time and giving me the platform to uh, talk about our brand. Mel, congrats to you on all of, that you've accomplished with Bruvi to date. I'm, I'm so excited to see how the launch goes. You can count me on as an early first customer. Cool. You locked me in with the cold brew, but again, <laughs> um, just seriously, congrats to jumping back into the operating ring. It's, I don't think, I think I, you and I are very alike where there's nothing better than the act of creating. So yeah. congrats to you. I wish you incredible success. Have a wonderful holiday. And you too. Um, and thank you, you for, uh, for coming on. Thank the show. you for having me on. Happy holidays. And thank you, everyone. Bye. Take care. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us, hello at ingathands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday. Thank you so much again and look forward to bringing you we look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.